Amen, amen. How many of you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. We want to just get started this morning with a few announcements. Um, just want to welcome all CFC family member and friends. Uh, any first-time visitors online or are in here, we just want to say welcome. Glad you're here today. Amen. Just want to remind everyone we're still in phase three, so um, we do ask to use hand sanitizer when you come in and, and things like that. Uh, continue practicing the social distance guidelines that is put out. Uh, again, they're starting to have a spike in COVID cases, so we don't want to relax and uh, uh, do that. So we want to make just stay on top of it, stay on top of uh, the protocols for, for that. Amen. We don't want anyone getting sick. Amen. So it, I would just ask that you stay connected with us and up to date through our social media apps that we have. We have Facebook that you could go to that if you're watching live right now, you're on Facebook. We stream live uh, only on Facebook. Uh, that's all we can right now. So, uh, But stay up to date on that throughout the weeks. So any announcements we have to make, we'll put on Facebook uh, and things like that. So also there's a CFC Church app that you could download. Uh, for your phone where you can watch uh, services uh, in the past and uh, giving online. Uh, you, that's on our website page. You could uh, download it from there. We also have a YouTube page, which is uh, uh, Christian Fellowship Church, Pastor Scott Sherman. You could go back and watch uh, previous videos, uh, sermons. Uh, I did mention last week that part three of Wait on the Lord is only on YouTube uh, when we uh, had service that Sunday morning that was right after the hurricane and we didn't have the internet here so she couldn't uh, put it on Facebook. So it is on YouTube if you missed that one. Uh, also we have a website which is uh, www.welcometocfc.com. You could go on there, give online. Uh, it talks about all the ministries and different things like that. Got, it has links also to all these other places, Facebook and uh, YouTube uh, from there. Just want to remind everyone that if you have children 6 through through 11, uh, they're having their services back there right now as we have our services. But they're also going to be uh, filming it and live streaming it tonight. So if you weren't able to be here today, you could watch it with your kids tonight at 7 p.m. on the New Generations uh, Facebook page. So uh, I want to remind everyone that Wednesday evenings we have prayer revival at 7 o'clock. That's for any age. Uh, that wants to be in and praying. We do have kids club 3 through 11 and also youth 12 through 19. But come on out for a, a prayer revival. How many of you know we need prayer? Amen. Amen. Jesus says, my father's house shall be a house of prayer. And so we're dedicating every Wednesday night until I don't know when, <laughs> until the Lord says different uh, to prayer on that. So again, uh, we're still looking for a couple of nursery workers, so if you're interested in working in the nursery, helping out, we, uh, you won't be by yourself. You'll always be teamed with someone else, and uh, we're trying to get it that you that is just uh, like once almost every other month. Every fifth weekend is what you would be working in there. Uh, there's a form in the back that you need to fill out and uh, do that. All right. Uh, just another reminder is water baptism. Um, we had to shut down because of COVID right before we done our water baptism in March. And uh, we had several people signed up for water baptism that night. Uh, but we are going to do water baptism December 30th, uh, uh, 2020. That's a Wednesday night 
7 p.m. And I was thinking, what a better way to get rid of 2020, right, than a good water baptism. <laughs> wash, wash 2020 off of us. Amen. So those of you that had signed up for water baptism or if you want to be water baptized, uh, you know, even, even if you've been water baptized before and you say, I want a, a fresh new start, amen, you're more than welcome. We have uh, forms in the back you can fill out. So uh, that'll be on December 30th, and that'll get here before we know it. I can't believe we're almost at uh, Thanksgiving right now. Uh, you almost got to start defrosting your turkey. <laughs> it's getting so close. So, uh, again, just want to say happy birthday to anyone having a birthday uh, here. Anyone in here having a birthday today? Right, today or this week? No one? If you are, are online, we just want to say happy birthday to you. Uh, anyone having an anniversary between now and next Sunday? Raise your hand. Rachel, you are? Oh, a year already? Wow. Well, tell them happy, happy anniversary if you're watching. <laughs> One year. I, I, that seemed like just yesterday. Amen. So, okay, yeah, that was pre-COVID, so <laughs> it's already. Amen. So if you have an anniversary uh, online watching, we want to wish you happy anniversary. Uh, what we want to do is go ahead and pick up our tithe and offerings this morning. Uh, we just want to, before we uh, read anything, I just want to let you know that if you're watching online, ways that you can give to help support this ministry is... Uh, you can go to welcometocfc.com and give online there. You can mail it in on, to Post Office Box 1427, La Rosa, Louisiana, 70373. And again, uh, those that live around here, you could drop it off Monday through Wednesday from 9 to 3. You have all those options you could do there. Amen. And I always say the best way you could give is to, to be, be here, here on Sunday morning. Amen. And yes, worship the amen. Lord with us. Amen. So if you would stand to your feet as we read our scriptures for our offering this morning. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I want to stop there for a second. I want you to know that the joy set before him was not the cross. Remember when he was in the garden, he was agonizing on going to the cross. The joy set before him was your salvation yes. that the cross would bring. And that's why he knew going to the cross, your salvation would be there. So he says he's scorning the, its shame and it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And Psalm 16, 8 and 9 says this, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. And what I read that uh, the other day, I was thinking, you know how easily it is to get distracted? Like if, if even right now, if somebody would drop something and make a loud noise, what happens? You all look at the distraction. And what happens in life, a lot of times when distractions come in our life, uh, situations, storms in our life, we end up turning our eyes off of Jesus and focusing on the storm, on the problem. And we have to always remember, I have to turn back to him because he is our problem sour. He's the one that can calm the seas. Amen. So I, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. 
So if you would take your offering in your right hand and repeat after me this morning. Say, as I give in today's offering, I fix my eyes on Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, and my Redeemer, my very present help in time of trouble, my song in the valley, my light in the darkness. My eyes are fixed. By faith, I will not be moved. I will not be distracted. My giving is one way. I used to say, Jesus, I trust you, and I know you are working on my behalf. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have three baskets, uh, blue baskets along the front. What we're going to do is ask you just to come, make your way out your seats. Yeah, still social distancing and putting your offering in one of the baskets. give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Just want to read our call to worship this morning as we get ready to worship the Lord. Just lift our hands up right now. Psalms 34 verses 1 through 4 says this, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. I will boast of all his kindness to me. Let all who are discouraged take heart let us praise the Lord together and exalt his name. For I cried to him and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears in Jesus' name. Father, we just come to you this morning. And Father, I lift up this entire service to you, Father. I pray for each and every person that's within the sound of my voice, whether it be in here or watching online. I just pray that your spirit would move in each and every situation, in each and every person's life. We uh, come here to worship you for who you are this morning. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray, and everyone says, Amen. 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 Give me a second to get back there. Let's Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
nothing can stand against the name. Nothing can stand against the mighty name. No one is equal, no one can compare. invite God's presence in every part of your being right now. Every single part of your life, just invite God's presence in. Every hand lifted up. Come on, because we're here for you. We're here to worship you. We're not here for ourselves, but we are here for him. We are here for the King of kings and the Lord of lords to worship him, to worship him in spirit and in truth and come back to a heart of worship and bow on our face and ask for forgiveness where we have turned against him and where we've turned and not given him the glory and the honor that he deserves. So just lift your hands. Lift your hands and just ask him to come and filtrate everything that is not of him in you right now. And ask that his very being come and just fill you. Just begin to fill you in a way like you have never been filled before. That he begin to give you peace he would begin to give you joy in areas where it has lacked. That he would give you hope in areas where you haven't had hope. That he would just begin to fill every single void and nothing would be left in turn. Fill us, God. Fill us, God, to overflowing. Fill us, God, to overflowing in this place. Oh, fill us from the top of our souls, the bottom of our feet, to the top of our souls, Jesus. Top of our head, God. Fill us up, fill us up, Jesus. Fill us up to overflowing. Fill me up, Lord, to more than enough. Fill my cup, Lord, fill my cup, Lord, to overflowing. To more than enough. To more. 
Sing it out. Yeah, yeah, sing it. Come on, prophesy and declare. He's the way maker.
Father, unveil our eyes that we can see the spiritual truth in your word this morning, Father God. Father, we know that the enemy blinds the, the eyes and minds of unbelievers, Father God. And I pray this morning that the scales would fall off, Father God. That the truth of your word, the truth of who you are, would be seen this morning. Father, I pray that every deaf ear be open to the truth of the gospel this morning, Father God. Father God, which sounds like foolishness to man, Father God, is salvation through Jesus Christ. And I just pray, Father God, that our hearts would be ready to receive that word this morning, Father. We worship you this morning, Father. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, and everyone says, Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord this morning. Amen. We want to go ahead and dismiss our kids, three, four, and five, to their uh, classes as you take your seats. And good to see everyone here today. If you have your Bible, you can open it to the book of John. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that aren't on your page. Um, I just really couldn't fit it in anymore. Um, on your, on your notes without making the font small enough that you couldn't read it because it's already small enough. <coughs> Amen. So get your Bibles out, open it to John chapter 1. Amen. Amen. I love the presence of the Lord. How many of you love the presence of the Lord? Amen. 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 I'm going to take a sip of water as we get started here this morning. Amen. Last, as I was studying for last Sunday's message, finishing out Wait on the Lord, Part 4, I came across a scripture in 2 Corinthians, and I was reading, and this is kind of where this came out of. It stayed in my spirit. But Paul was telling the people, they say, if, if anyone comes and preach a different Jesus to you, other, and it's not going to be in your notes, we're going to go, but he says, if anyone would come with a different Jesus than the Jesus we preach, he says it's false. And it made me start thinking and things and uh, uh, things going on in this world, and uh, I decided to title this message, I Am, because I wanted to look back in the first part, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, God the Father, then Jesus the Son, and we're both going to see where they tell us what they are, who they are, what they are. And I could have used so many more scriptures, but I, I couldn't. It would have been another part four before we got through. Uh, but we need to understand that sometimes what we think about someone or something is not reality of what it is. Have you ever met someone that you kind of knew before? Well, you, you heard of this person, you, you kind of knew them, and once you really got to know them, in one way or the other, they weren't really the person you thought they would be. You know, either good or bad. It might be, you know, oh, I heard nothing but pop more things about that person, and you get to know them, and they're actually a good person. Or you may, you may think somebody's you know, has a lot of integrity and all these things, but then the more you get to know them, the more you realize they, weren't, they were not who you imagined them to be. And this is where I started thinking about this scripture where Jesus says, I mean, uh, uh, Paul said, if someone comes and preaches another Jesus than the Jesus we do, it's a false Jesus. And because sometimes if we're not careful, we can make God into what we want him to be 
You hear me? If we're not careful, we will try to make God into the God we want him to be, but that doesn't fly with him. You see, we don't change God. God, And speaking of Jesus, he says, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. And he tells us plainly in his word, and that's what we're going to look in his word, of who he is. You know, the, uh, that, that's how we basically know most of, of what God is, is through his written word and spoken word. And that's what we're going to uh, talk about this morning. So uh, what I want to read is, is first in, in uh, John right now, and then which is going to be up on the screen. Then we'll get to your papers. It says this, and this is again talking about the Father's, Father and Son, and it kind of brings in the Trinity and different things. But it says, in the beginning was the what? The word. Now that uh, word is logos, meaning the something said, the spoken word of God. In the beginning was the word. Then it says this, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now when, if you really start reading this, our little brains can't quite comprehend all this. It's, be, it's in another realm of existence that, that we don't, uh, can't experience. Uh, again, that the Word wa- was with God and the Word was God. Um, I like to equate this to, you know, if you have a, uh, someone facing a surgery, the doctor explains to you what they're going to do with the surgery. And you say, oh, yeah, I understand. Well, guess what? You're not ready to do the surgery yourself. Because of what he explained. You just got a small glimpse of what it's about. And, and uh, it's okay that we don't truly, can't truly grasp this. You know, we ourselves are triune beings, uh, uh, spirit, soul, and body in, in that thing. And, and he says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Then we're going to jump down the chapter, I mean, verse 14. The word, the spoken word of God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we know it's talking about Jesus here, that Jesus became flesh, a human being, and made his dwelling among us. But notice what it says here. It says he became flesh he wasn't flesh before that doesn't mean jesus did not exist before uh, a fancy word for this is the the incarnation of christ is when god the word became flesh but the uh, christ uh, the was always in in the word in the beginning the word was with god christ has always been there it's just when he was born to this world the word became flesh and, and made his dwelling among us. So th- this is kind of laying out part of what we're going to be talking about. And what I want you to understand today is the I am is, and I may step on some tools. I don't know how, how desperate, how, how mean I feel this morning. <laughs> not, not mean, but, you know, we have to realize that God's word has always been the same and it doesn't change. Our world's changing. And our world wants God to be a God that he's not. That's reality. And so let, let's look at this. This is the message uh, paraphrase, 2 Timothy 3.16. I, I love the way it, it says it in the message here. It says every part of scripture, the written word of God, <coughs> is God-breathed and useful one way or another 
Now notice what it says, what God's word does. It shows us truth. It shows us the truth. This is the truth. Whether you agree with it or not, it is the truth. You hear me? Notice what he goes on to say. This truth, what it does, it exposes our rebellion. What does that mean? It shows us truth, what is true, exposing our rebellion. In other words, he's saying exposing our rebellion is for when we reject the truth of God. That's what his word does. How many of you know that we don't like to be corrected? Right? Even as a child, a children, your children don't like to be corrected. But how many of you know it's necessary to correct them? Right? So we understand that God's word is the truth. And many people reject the truth. But it doesn't make it less true. It corrects our mistakes. In other words, it shows us where we are wrong, training us to live what? God's way. Correcting our mistakes and training us to live God's way, what God wants for our life, the way we should live our life. And in verse 17 says, Through the word we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. Now let's think about that. We, we, God wants, wants to bring correction in your life through His Word. He, his Word is there to show you where you uh, fall short in areas where we make mistakes, uh, different things. <clears throat> and and let, me, let me go with this. Jesus Christ died for your sin. He did not die for you to sin. You understand that? He died for your sin. He didn't die to make sin okay. See? Some people think that that's the Jesus they serve. That, oh, I could do whatever I want because it doesn't matter. It's all under the blood. That's not what the Word tells us. I'm scratching my head wondering if I should go these places. <laughs> Let's put it this way. If it's okay to sin, because Jesus died on the cross, if, if, it's not, if there's not an accountability and responsibility about the way we live, why would it say that the Word is there to correct us, to point our mistakes so we can live the way God wants us to? Why does Ephesians 2.10 tell us that we are created in Christ Jesus? In other words, once you get saved, we are created in Christ Jesus, you're God's workmanship that to do the good works that God has prepared for your life to do you see we're going to have to give account to God when we stand before him on what we've done with our life after we accepted Jesus Christ as savior so let's put it this way we, we know God's word which is true and we could go back in the old testament and God's word says thou shall not steal how many of you still believe God doesn't want people to steal? Right? Raise your hand. I, I need to see a hand. If you don't believe God wants you to steal, raise your hand. But what? 
some of people's things are, well, everything's forgiven. So God wants you to steal? No. No. Thou shalt not murder. Do you think God's saying, it's okay to murder now? My son died for the forgiveness of your sins. You could go murder whoever you want. You're covered with the blood of my son. See, that never changes. Whether it be a, a, the murder of an adult or the murder of an unborn child. You see? Some people who call themselves Christians support abortion. How can you? You see, that's not the... I, Jesus isn't... That ain't the Jesus that we serve. We might be taken off of Facebook right now but, <laughs> for this, but that's okay. But that's okay. You see... God spoke about Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Let's, let's back up there. Before I formed you. Think about that. Before I formed you. Where does the life and the formation of the child come from? God. So when life is in a woman that is in, in her womb and becoming born, it's God that start created that life. That, hear me good. It's God who created that life, and the mother of that child's life is willing to murder what God started. See, but... There's a lot of Christians that don't believe that. Well, my only answer to you is you don't believe in the same Jesus I believe in. I don't, you don't believe in the same Jesus that is in this word. You don't believe in the same I am that is here. See, we can't make God into the God we want him to be. We can't make God into, oh, all of a sudden that's okay to do because it's pleasure for me what you're doing is you're making yourself into god you're making yourself into what's right you don't want to look into god's word and let his word correct you can i put it this way if you believe in abortion you're rejecting god's word and wait let's see if i reject his word didn't we just read that the word was in the beginning and the word was with god and the word was God. So if I reject the word, I'm actually rejecting God. I guess I went there. <laughs> but we need to hear the truth. You know, sometimes the truth hurts. Deuteronomy 6, 10 and uh, 6, 10 through 12 says this. When the Lord your God brings you to the land he, he swore to your forefathers. Now he's talking about the Israelites, bring, uh, talking about bringing them to the promised land. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kind of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. And vineyards you, and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, he says this, be careful. 
Once the Lord saves you, we need to be careful. Once he gives you what you did not earn, what you don't deserve, we need to be careful that, notice what it says, that we do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, who, brought you, who saved you out of the land of slavery. But I want you to understand, it's not really talking about forgetting him completely. It's forgetting who he really is. You see, none of the Israelites, when God was bringing them across and toward the promised land, uh, they were going around the, for 40 years because they forgot God, but it wasn't in, oh, well, who is this God you're speaking of? We'd never heard of him. That's not what it was. They knew him, but they chose not to follow him and not to serve him. See, they forgot who he was and what he stood for. And we, as Christians in America uh, in general, has, God has blessed this country so much that we've forgotten who he is. Not, not forgotten that he exists. But we just don't, we've forgotten who he is. We believe in him, but we don't believe him. We reject his word, but we say he exists. Right? How many of you ever heard, oh yeah, but wh why would God do this? Why would this? Oh. Let's get going. Let's get going. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And we're, we're talking about God the Father in this sense here. <coughs> Moses said to God, suppose I say to the Israel, uh, go to the Israelites and, they, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, tell them I am who I am. That is who you are to say, uh, say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am who I am. Not I am whoever they want me to be. I am what I am. God is not a transformer that, that changes and morphs into my belief system. You see, God's word is truth, and he does not morph into the parts that I reject. His word is truth. It corrects us. It rebukes us. But it, I, I could end up rejecting his word because I don't agree with it. My, my little human mind is so superior to you, God. Do you know, we're going to get in all kind of trouble here today. That some people say, oh, you need to accept this sin, sin of homosexuality, sin of all this. Oh, because we love. Let me tell you something. God loves the person, but not the sin. All right? But some people think they're, I'm, I must be more loving than God because I accept them the way they are. Hmm. In other words, you're accepting sin. You're not more loving than God. No one even comes close to the love of God. You're just allowing sin. And you're refusing to take correction. God loves every sinner. We all were sinners. But we all have to accept the Jesus who is. The Jesus who never approves of sin. The Jesus who died for your sin, not so you can sin. 
Moses says, I am who sent. I am. Not who you want me to be. I am who I am. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. This is the very beginning of the, the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words. He says, what? I am. Why do you think he has to keep telling us I am? He's trying to tell you, quit trying to make me into what you want me to be. This is what I am. You have to accept what I am or you reject what I am. There is no middle ground. And God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And notice what he says, you shall have no other gods before me or besides me. And that's a little g. Uh, it, uh, it also translates in the loves, uh, what we desire. You shall have no other loves, uh, gods or loves before me. And no, notice verse 4. You shall not do what? Think about this now. How we're talking. You shall not make for yourself and he's not just talking about sitting down and taking a piece of wood and whittling a little fat man a little Buddha doll a little this a little that he says you shall make for your you shall not make for yourself a what image in the form of anything and notice the places he says in heaven on earth beneath or in the waters below you shall not make for yourself an image uh, to imagine something. So he's saying in the heavens, he says, so don't be careful that you don't take him and imagine him to be something that he's not. And you make him in the heavens something that he's not. Because you imagined it because you want him this way. He says, don't make for yourself any image. In the heavens are above. And again, in the in, in above, I want you to understand this is why we don't worship angels. Angels are never to be worshipped. Okay? Uh, if if you as you're reading your Bible, when it's an angel of God, you'll notice many times people want to bow down to them, and the angel always tells them, No, get up. Can I tell you the only angel that doesn't do that? Satan. Remember what he told Jesus. Bow down to me and worship me. See, angels aren't to be worshipped. God says, in, in heaven, don't make anything in heaven. Don't imagine God to be what you want Him to be because that's an image of your imagination what you desire Him to be because of your wicked heart. And you don't want to accept His correction. You don't want to accept His rebuke. You want Him to be the God that you want Him to be. Let's look at a few things here in 2 Timothy 3, 5, and 1. 2 Timothy 3, 5, and 1, it says, But mark this. But mark this. If this was Justin Wilson writing, he would say about guarantee. That would be a, a, a 
Justin Wilson translation of the Bible there, a guarantee. He says, mark this. Again, this has been prevalent throughout mankind. It's, it's not just, we're closer to the end times than we've ever been. Okay, we're a week closer than last Sunday. Next Sunday, if you don't come back, we're going to be a week closer. But we need to always remember, we got a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. He says we never know when the end's coming. Okay, can I also help you with this? Most of end-time prophecies has nothing to do with the United States. It's all about Israel and the surrounding nations there. So, you know... We as Americans sometimes get, oh, whatever happens to the United States, that's the rest of the world and everything. There is a, more in the world than us, okay? And end-time prophecy deals with Israel and its surrounding nations, what's going on there. That's just a little lanyard for you there. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. And, and ungrateful means, when I read that, I was just thinking the entitlement mentality that's going on in the world today. Oh, we deserve everything. Give it to me. I deserve it. An entitlement. Ungrateful because I, I feel entitled to it. Not that I, the Bible tells me that if you don't work, you don't get. Unholy, without love, unforgiving. And, and let, let's talk about this, un, uh, without love. Thinking, oh, you're so mean. Why are you saying this? Because I do love you. And I don't want you to have a false image of God and worship a false God that, won't, that you miss heaven, that you miss eternity. Slanderous without self-control. What does that mean, without self-control? It means I don't want to discipline. I just, whatever feels good, that's what I want to do. Right? That, that's society today. If it feels good, do it. Go for it. Right? Wasn't that kind of what uh, Satan brought Adam and Eve? Boy, it looks good. Pleasing to the eye. Ooh, it's good for food. Good for gaining wisdom. Boy, this is very pleasing. Not lovers of the good. Uh, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacher, treacherous, rash, conceited. Notice this, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure, which talks about a lust. And, and lust isn't just sexual. Lust is about self -grat. It's about me. If it feels good to me, then I should be able to do it. And no, notice what he goes on to say here. Without, without self-control, it means you're sinning. He says, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And notice number five. Having 
a form of godliness. Circle that right there. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with them. And I want to go back to that part, having a form of godliness. What that simply means and which translates in the thing is an outward shape. In other words, having the outer appearance. I got the Jesus bumper sticker. The outward appearance. And when uh, David was uh, appointed as king, anointed by Samuel, what did God tell Samuel? Don't look at the outward appearance of the brothers. He says, look at the heart. So on the outside, apparently these people, this group of people, claim to know God, claim to know this, but it says denying the power. Do you know what that's talking about? The Holy Spirit, denying the Holy Spirit to transform their lives into the image of Christ. To denying the power of the Holy Spirit to change their hearts to line up with the Word of God. You got your little Christian stickers and your Christian t-shirts, but your heart is the furthest thing from God. You disagree with 90% of the Word of God. Having the form of godliness, but then you want everything that God rejects. You want to bring everything. You want to kill babies. You want, you, you want, want to approve of uh, homosexual lifestyles. The computer didn't blow up, blow up yet. That's what, who knows what they've done. <laughs> Again, God loves each and every person ever created. We fall in the trap of sin. And we are to be transformed into the image of God. We, have, we all were born broken and messed up. That's why we all need to be born again. You see, if I'm, if I'm so-called born again, but the inside doesn't change, then I have a form, the outside, I have a form of godliness. But I denied the power of God to change my heart. I still want to believe what I want to believe. I still, I still don't agree with you, God, in this part. God, I don't... Let's go. Notice what 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4 says. In the presence of God and of, uh, and of Christ Jesus, who will... Notice this. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will do what? Judge the living and the dead. See, so many people don't realize that, that you will be judged for the life you live. If you reject God's word here on earth, you will be judged for rejecting his word. He judges the living and the dead. And how will he judge the living and the dead? You think he's going to come up with like a whole new set of rules, guidelines? No, he's going to judge you according to his word. His spoken word that we have written down in the Bible, he's going to judge you according to what he's already said. And he's going to say, well, what about this in your life? Oh, yeah, but God, I didn't believe that. Too bad. In other words, you rejected him. 
You, you, you had the form of godliness, but denied the power of him to change you. Again, judge living and dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom. This is what Paul is charging Timothy about preaching the word, because he knows the consequences that are going to face people. You see, that's the bad part about we live through this life, and a lot of, we, may, we face consequences of what we do here on earth, but we don't face those consequences yet. And we think maybe we're going to get away with something and just sweep it under the rug. But, it, but, but Paul's telling him, encouraging him, because there are grave consequences. He says, in the view of, of, his, of his appearing and his kingdom, he says, I, I give you this charge. This is what I need you to do, Timothy. He says, preach the word. What is the word? The word of God here. And that word, again, is the logos, the, the spoken word of God. Preach the word. And he says, be prepared in season and out of season. And notice there's three things he says with this. And two of them are one way and one's the other. He says, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Two-thirds of the message is about correcting and rebuking. Now this is after the death of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're talking about talking to saved people. You need to correct them through the Word of God because God is who He is. He never changes. He did not change His mind on anything. He says, correct and rebuke. And encourage, and this I will encourage you. You're never too far in sin or away from God that you can't turn around and go back to Him. God's always there with open arms. He says, "But do it with great patience and careful instruction." Okay, I'm a little being probably a little rough today, but we have to do it carefully. Again, you don't want to just walk up to people and slap them on the side of the head with the bun. Right? Teach the word with love. And everything I said here today, there's no anger or no hate in my heart about it. It's God loves each and every one of us. We all fall short of the glory of God. It's not thinking we're better than somebody else. We all have different sins in our life. He says... Notice what it goes in verse 3. For a time will come when people will not do what? Put up with sound doctrine. In other words, he's telling you, correct and uh, rebuke things because a time is coming when people won't listen to God's word. That's not the God they want in their life. Because they're self-pleasing, they're all about themselves, and they don't want to align with God's Word. They reject His Word, and by rejecting His Word, they reject God. It says, a time will come, they will not put up with sound doctrine. And notice what it says. Instead, to suit their, what? Own desires. What they want. In other words, it's, it's what I want, not what you want, God. It's what I want. I don't want you to be that way, God, so I'm not going to listen to that. I'm, I'm going to surround myself with people that's going to tell me what I want to hear instead of what is the truth. 
We're going we're gonna to preach a Jesus that isn't the Jesus of the Bible. We're going to preach a God that isn't the God of the Bible. Because He doesn't suit us. He says, They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say with their itching ears, Want to hear? It's okay. You could continue in your sin. It's all right. God, God doesn't care. It's okay. It's all under the blood. Just continue with that. What? A, 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 a baby might mess up your life? Then go ahead and kill it. Don't worry about it. We'd hate to inconvenience you. They will, verse 4 says, they will turn their ears away from, what? What does it say? They will turn their ears away from truth and believe the lies that they want to hear. They're going to turn their ears away from the tr- who God truly is and try and make them who they want Him to be. Because they want, they got the form of godliness, they're too scared to come out and say, I really don't believe God, in God in this thing. Uh, they're, they're too scared to do that, but they reject everything about Him. Oh, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. My Lord means that He is in control of your life, but yet you want to continue sinning. You see, you got the outward appearance, but you're rotten on the inside. Second Corinthians eleven three and four says this. This is Paul. This is a scripture that start that got me on all this here today. But I am afraid, he says. I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived, all you believers are going to be deceived too. Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning. He says, your minds may somehow be led away from your sincere and pure devotion. And that he's scared that at a time that the God you once served, you're going to turn back to your own ways. He says, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus... Other than the Jesus we preach. If they come and preach a Jesus that isn't lining up with this. is not the real Jesus. It's an outward appearance. But not the power isn't, isn't there. He says, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received. Or a different, notice this, a different gospel from the one you accepted, you will put up with it easily enough. He's, te- he's warning them. It's so easy to be deceived because we do want to follow our own desires. Right? That's why he talked about there is no self-discipline. 
We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. So let, let's notice a good switch. Again, I'll just be a few minutes here. Of, of what, what Jesus begins to say. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, he's asking them, who, do, who are people saying I am? Why would he ask a question like that? Think about that. Why would Jesus ask a question, who are people saying I am? Because he knew in their minds he was somebody totally different than who he was. A different Jesus. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So notice this. Somebody, some people think you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah, some say, still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, you know, they were at least saying, you know, some good people that served the Lord. But they weren't seeing him for who he was. And notice what he goes on to say. Uh, he tells uh, Peter this, he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? See, it comes back to each and every individual. Who do you say he is? Do you say he's the Jesus of this Bible? Or have you made him into something else? A John the Baptist. Oh, he was still one of the prophets. Not just an ordinary person. He was very good, but I don't quite believe everything about him. And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I'm going to speed up here. I don't know if my battery's dying. Let's see what others back then said, and we're going to go through these real quick. So he asks, who do you say I am? Because he knows people have the wrong thoughts of who he is. Mark 6, 3 says, they said, isn't this who? The carpenter? Ain't, the, ain't that the guy I'm supposed to call to come fix my roof? From the storm? Isn't he just a carpenter? John 6, 42, they said, is this not Jesus? Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say he came from heaven? How can he say he came from? We know his, we know Joseph and Mary. See, throughout Scripture, you constantly see people having the wrong idea of who God truly is, who Jesus truly is. John nine twenty four. Uh, through 25. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Jesus had healed him. And they, they tell the man, give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, and this is what they think of Jesus. We know this man is a sinner. Think about that. This is their opinion of Jesus. We know he's a sinner. Why don't you tell us the truth? You see, the truth that they had in their mind was the furthest thing from the truth. So we have to be careful and know who he really is. 
Because he shows throughout Scripture, many people have the wrong idea of who he is. Again, quickly, Matthew 20, 12, 24. But when the Pharisees heard this, they, they said, It's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. He's saying he's a demon himself. He's the devil himself. John 10, 20. Notice what the first three words says. Many of them. So you're not talking about one individual person with these thoughts. Many of them said what? He's demon-possessed and raving mad. Can we see how easy it is to get the wrong image of who Jesus and God truly are? We see it throughout Scripture. What about today? In today's society, do you know the Hindu uh, religion believes Jesus is just one of millions of gods? Part of that's right. The world has millions of gods. There's only one true God. But the world has created and made millions of, in their image, even in their mind, of who God is. And he's not really that. Islam says he's no more than a mortal man. So we see it continuing today. But let's hear what Jesus himself had to say. Simon Peter, and this is where Jesus asked him about uh, who do you say I am. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah. For notice this, this was not revealed to you by what? Flesh and blood. He says, it's not your intellect. It's not what you believe. You see, it's not the outward form. He says, but this was revealed to you. I tell you, to, I tell you that you, uh, where am I? But this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. In other words, not, it wasn't from the outward believing. It's the Spirit bringing change in your life and believing it. That is the difference between an outward appearance and denying the power of God. Jesus was telling them, the power of my God and my Father has brought it to your attention. So you see who I am. Others think I'm demon-possessed. Others think I'm this. Others think I'm that. But those who receive the power of God, God will change their hearts to see Him for who He is. And He says this, verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, where it says on this rock is not talking about Peter. He's talking about the statement that Peter made, that you are uh, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He says, on that statement, on that foundation of truth, those that believe that I am the Son of the living God, he says, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome. John 14, 6 through 9, Jesus answered, I am. He's beginning to tell them. He says, I am the way. I am the truth, and the life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He is the way and the truth. So if there's anything in here you don't believe, then you're not believing in Him. You may have a form of godliness, but you're not believing in the true Jesus. He says... Notice what he says this. If you really know me. See, 
You see how he's making a difference? There's some who claim they know me, but they really don't. The scripture says that on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you. You were worshiping another Jesus. A Jesus you made. You never let the power of God transform your life. You never let the power of God rebuke you and correct your sin. You were, you were too stubborn and self-centered that you wanted to live the way you wanted to, and you didn't care about God. You had a form of godliness. You had, thank you for the bumper sticker. But you should have let me in your heart. If you really know me, he says, you will know my father as well. From now on, uh, you, you do not, uh, from now on, you do not know him. You do know him, I'm sorry, and have seen him. Then notice what Philip says. Philip says, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus is correcting him and saying, Philip, Jesus answered, don't you know me? He's saying, you, you, you know part of me, but you don't know that I and the Father are one. That I'm here doing the Father's will. He says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? John 10, 27 through 30, Jesus says, my sheep, Listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I know them and they follow me. In other words, they accept me. They understand what my word is and what it says. And if they reject the word, they're not following me. They're truly not mine. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out my father's hand. And he says, I and the father are one. And we'll close with John 10, 9 through 11. Jesus says, I am the gate. He's the only way to the Father. Whoever enters in through me will be saved. But again, whoever enters in through the real Jesus. Not Jesus died for my sins so I could do whatever I want. I could live any kind of lifestyle I want and any sin. It doesn't matter. That's not the real Jesus. You'll be judged on on that day. And it says... uh, it says, they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity here today. I ask everyone just to stand to your feet. Jesus died so we could have life. Jesus died so we could have life and eternity with the Father. But he also created you for a purpose. 
Not a self-gratifying purpose, but a purpose he created you for. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. See, he prepared in advance. He knew when you would be born. Because he's the one that formed you in your mother's womb. He's the one that gave you life. So once we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have to believe that he is what he says he is. And we have to understand that the enemy comes to contradict the word of God. That's all he does. If he could get you to believe something different than this. God said, do not eat of that fruit. Satan showed them plenty of reasons why they should, and everyone looked great. But guess what was the real truth in the end? It brought death. They were expecting life. They were expecting great things by eating that fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. But instead it brought death because they didn't believe God. See, we have to believe God. Every word he says, even though we don't understand it, we have to believe it. So just, I want to just ask you to invite Christ into your heart right now. Just say this simple prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you love me so much that you sent your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I invite Christ to come into my heart to be Lord and Savior of my life as I serve him each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Love you, love you, love you. Tell your neighbors hello from a distance. Wait, let them know you love them. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night for prayer.